0: I uh, made a list earlier this week and kind of refined it a little bit this morning uh, of unwise things that I've spent my money on that I'd like to share with you. I bought an Abflex when I was a teenager. <laughs> uh, an Abflex, if you're familiar with it, is just pretty much a triangle uh, with a little padded thing on it with maybe some springs uh, that was supposed to, according to the commercials, uh, give you a six-pack. Uh, The issue is that you have to use it (laughs) to uh, make it do that for you and that it mostly stayed under my bed uh, as a teenager but it was there with the promise of of better things to come. Um, I always not always, but I would quite consistently uh, become a member of the Columbia House Music and Movie Club, you know, those things that you got in the mail where they said, put some stamps on this, choose a bunch of CDs, you're going to get them for free. CDs, uh, for those of you who are younger. Or <laughs> anyway, never mind. Uh, I don't even know how to explain what a CD is, but I'm sure you all know. Please don't feel like I'm talking down to anybody. <laughs> it's just a joke. Um, but I would, you'd put stamps on and you'd get really cheap ones, but then you'd have to pay, like, you'd have to buy four or eight. Like full more than full price kind of ones, and so it actually worked out to probably be a ripoff. But for me, the promise of like ten really cheap CDs or VHS tapes uh, when I was younger was too much to, to give to not pursue. Um, I put speakers in my first car in the trunk, uh, and they were supposed to then come out sort of in the back seat, like in the thing on the back. I don't even know the names of things in cars. <laughs> but the thing in the back seat. Uh, and because I was worried that if people saw that I had, like, two speakers in the back, they would think that my stereo was awesome. And so I told the people to, like, not cut a hole in the things in the back and to keep them hidden. Uh, <laughs> and I thought this was really clever, uh, but it turned out that it just created really, really muffled music for the people in the back seat. Um, and... The- <laughs> The people at the place didn't even, like, tell me that this was a bad idea. They just took my money, and they're like, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember buying an ugly elephant head necklace uh, for a girl that I liked, but was very clearly only a friend in high school. <laughs> uh, too few years ago than I'd like to admit, I bought a, a combination DVD of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1, 2, uh, The Secret of the Ooze, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, uh, Turtles in Time, uh, and the animated uh, movie of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and, uh, and I found that and bought that, maybe full price, I don't even know that it was on sale, uh, and it was potentially in my 30s that I bought that. Uh, Most of the things I think that I've bought out of a sense of nostalgia have been an unwise use of my money. Uh, You know, there's books that I've never read and likely never will, but when I pass by them, I just saw like, oh, it's such a good sale. I can't, I can't not do this. And really most good sales, when I've looked at it and people have said like, well, what would you do with that? But it's like, it's 90% off. How could I not get that? Uh, Anything from a movie theater concession stand? because it's just too expensive. It's tasty, but like, that's a lot of money to spend on popcorn, come on. Uh, Equally, Starbucks lattes. Uh, I remember buying a lot of those when I was younger and realizing this is really expensive. If I went down to just regular coffee, uh, it would be much cheaper, even though that's still expensive. Roller (laughs) blades, didn't use those very much, but I bought them. I think extended warranties on things. I don't know that I've ever used an extended warranty on something, and so that's always felt like a little bit of an unwise use of money. I bought an iPod from eBay that was very clearly not an iPod uh, when it arrived. It, it had, it, like, it, it contained music, but it was not what I wanted. Um, Bluetooth headphones. Uh, that died on my second run because I got sweat on them, which is a normal thing when you're running with headphones, and that's kind of what you want Bluetooth headphones for. Uh, Since then, other cheap headphones that also couldn't handle a little bit, or, to be honest, a lot of sweat on them. Um, An iPhone that I put in my pocket, uh, in my shirt pocket, that then fell into a toilet I was cleaning. Also felt like a waste of money. (laughs) But that was my own stupidity. Uh, And then library late fees, really. Like, library late fees, movie late fees. Remember when you could get things from Blockbuster or, or different movie stores and it was just sort of the thing of like, oh, I'm just too lazy to watch this or finish this on time or get it back on time and so then I'm gonna spend all these fees. And the library late fees, for me, have always been a problem because my mom was a librarian and when I had late fees when I was younger, she just took care of them. I don't know if she paid them or I think she just erased them from there, which is, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but um, that's sort of what happened. So I would never really take late fees that seriously. She trained me to not, to not respect late fees. Anyway, you reap what you sow. <laughs> there are a lot of foolish things uh, as I was thinking about it, and, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more if I were to give more of my time to it, but there's a lot of foolish things uh, that I have done with my money. I doubt that I am alone here Uh, as somebody who has done foolish things with their money. I imagine that you likely have things that you could look at and say, yeah, I really didn't use these as I thought that I was going to or take advantage of this to the degree that I wanted to. Um, And I think that there are things, like maybe you've learned some things about me this morning uh, about how I've spent my money on things. Maybe the first one being that I'm maybe kind of careless with my money. I've gotten a lot better, uh, but when I was younger, money if money came my way, it was quickly gone. Uh, that was something that I knew was there. But we can learn a lot about other people. We could learn a lot about other people, and we can learn a lot about ourselves uh, by how it is that we spend our money. Even if you look at our culture, the ways in which we deal with money can teach us a lot about uh, our values or even some of the things that we feel as though we're lacking and that we're looking for. The fact that in Canadian culture that our debt is Uh, continuing to climb and is skyrocketing, Uh, or the fact that uh, charitable giving, and specifically I read an article that says charitable giving amongst uh, some of the younger generations has been going down. Some of these things can teach us uh, some of the stuff about our culture. We can look at that and we could say, oh, well, people are just very, very selfish, uh, they're keeping their money for themselves, they're, they're uh, spending on, on other things that they really, really want, but they don't have uh, the money for, and they're not really willing to share uh, with other people that are doing good work. You, you could look at that and you could say, well, the younger generation is maybe a, uh, feeling a bit skeptical towards uh, institutions, that they have seen how institutions take advantage of others and don't use uh, money well, and so maybe some of our younger generations would say, I don't know that I want to give. Uh, Money to that if that's what they're going to do. You could also look at that and say that we live in a fearful society, that if our charitable giving is going down and that if our debt is climbing or or even just with charitable giving going down, we could say, like, I don't know if I'm going to have tomorrow what I have today. And so I feel pressure uh, to keep more to myself. I think that there's a lot that we can learn about ourselves and about our culture uh, depending on uh, what it is that we do with our money. And so if you haven't uh, figured it out yet, we are going to be spending today and we're going to be spending the next month uh, in in church talking about money. I've been told... Uh, that this is, and I've seen even within our own church in my time here, that this is something uh, that's probably been needed for a while. That is, we've looked at our uh, kind of giving trends uh, as I've been here and also before I came uh, looking at where we said that we want to be in our budget and then a number that we always have within our bulletin every Sunday we say we want to be here with our budget and the giving is, is usually somewhere down here. Uh, and and just maybe different attitudes that we have about money. I know that this is something, and I've been told that this is something that we've needed to do um, for a while. And so I kind of wanted to start off by acknowledging that that, um, this is something that we need to talk about. But also to sort of ask the question, and maybe explain to you, not to defend myself, but to explain why I haven't talked about it up until now. Why have we not, outside of maybe a parable as we came across it, or a different passage of scripture as we came across it through a book that we were studying, why have we not talked about money, or why have I personally uh, not talked about money very much? And firstly, I think that that one of the reasons is that I was always told that that money is a very private issue. That money was one of those things uh, that it was kind of rude to talk about that you didn't ask people about their politics, you didn't ask people about um, their, their money, what it is that they made, where it is that they spend things on, uh, what their mortgages cost, or, or, or different things along those lines, that, that what we did with our money um, was our business. And that when we talk about money, even we talked about uh, uh, Garth, you mentioned this morning marriages and, and how some marriages can be stressed talking about money and and issues with money can be one of those huge stressors stressors within marriage. And so even talking about money because it's such a private thing, there can be Shame and there can be embarrassment that just begins to kind of get heaped on to people And so i've been pretty cautious about not wanting to do that um, To each and every one of you as we as we talk about money and even uh, you know It can bring up in our own lives guilt and condemnation We can think of all the all the terrible things that we've done with our money and and how we've maybe um, misspent one of the other, uh, another reason that I think I haven't talked about money, or I know that I haven't talked about money uh, very much to this point in time, and spent, you know, sort of a month kind of focused on it, uh, is that, the, not that the Bible is unclear, but that I can't bring to you, um, I haven't been able to bring to you the very firm message that I've wanted to about exactly what it is that you are to do with your money. And let me explain that. I the Old Testament is very clear that we are to tithe, that God's people were to tithe. They were governed, they were governed by God and by a king. And so even within their system, their tithe, which if you go into the Old Testament, I just recently read um, was somewhere between, because there was a number of different offerings and, and ties that they were asked to give, whether it was yearly or maybe every three years, actually worked out to about 23 to 26 percent of their uh, of what it is that they took in with their crops or, or their their finances, whatever it was, is what they were called to give, but they were to give to uh, what with, with that I probably that went towards temple, that went towards uh, church, that went towards government, that went towards others, that went towards all that kind of stuff. but the tithe in the Old Testament is pretty clear that you were to give ten percent of what you have that 's what tithe means it means a tenth that a tithe was uh, given to a Lord and for our purposes it's given to the Lord um, and it is to be uh, an expression of both thanks and dedication that as we give as the plate goes by you know, in, in church as we've, as we've taken that and, and put it into practice here that as we give that money that is an expression of thanks to God for the things that he has given to us and it is also an expression of dedication to say alright you have me you have my stuff (laughs) I'm yours it's a combination of both of those things the tithe in in the Old Testament was to be the first fruits that it was to be uh, the very first thing that you gave and so you have debates nowadays of people saying do you give uh, 10% off of uh, before the government takes your money or after the government uh, takes your money and and you have people sort of debating back and forth between that and if it's the first fruits people would interpret that to say well it's it's before the government takes your money but the first fruits you're seeing is is after at least that's what some of us see when we get our paycheck so uh, there's, there's some unclarity and some uncertainty in some of these different things. But it is to be our first fruits. That it's not to be at the end of the month we look at our bank account and we say, what have I got left? Five bucks, okay, Jesus, here you go. That it's to be I dedicate this much to you, God, and this is what I'm giving to you and I am trusting that the month is going to work out and I will have to do the work to make sure that my budget works or I'm going to have to pray really hard uh, that, that the rest comes in. And that within the Old Testament, it also talks about in Malachi 3, verses 6 to 12, um, it talks about bringing your tithe to the storehouse. And this is the other part that I've, I've wanted to be able to bring to you and just so solidly say that the tithe goes to the church. That, that the 10% that we are to give to God is to go to the storehouse. And I've heard people say that the storehouse was the temple, that the temple then took care of uh, all of the people that were in need and that that is uh, the role of the church. And so as we are to give, we are to bring to the storehouse and we are to give our 10% to the church. And that anything above and beyond that, the reason that we say we're going to take, as I think Waylon said this morning, our tithes and our offerings is that a tithe is, uh, is, is taught through this lens to go to the church and we would say to the general fund of the church and then the offering anything that you give beyond that whether that be to um, missions, whether that be to an organization that you support, whether that be compassion children, whether that be uh, to the United Way, whether that be to um, whatever it is is called an offering and that goes above and beyond um, the, the 10% or the tithe But I can't confidently come and say that that's what you're supposed to do. Because even in in the Malachi passage, it says this, uh, in in Malachi chapter 3, verses 6-12. to I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. "'But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? "'Should people cheat God?' is then God speaking. "'Yet you have cheated me. "'But you ask, what do you mean, when did we ever cheat you? "'You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. "'You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. "'Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, "'so there will be enough food in my temple.'" If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's Armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of Heaven's Armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for the land for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of Heaven. Said the Lord of Heaven's Armies, and so it's. It's clear within this passage that to hold back from God is not what he wants, and that to then give to God can bring and should bring blessing uh, into our lives. And that to hold back from God is to cheat him and that he is not very um, pleased with that. But as it says, to bring the money to the storehouse, I just I, I can't 100% tell you that that means Just bring it to the church. I'd really love to say that, but I can't 100% say that that's what I think it is because it says make sure that the temple is filled with food. Well, as a church, uh, on, on communion Sundays, the offering that we take goes towards our benevolent fund, which is to feed other people. Um, and and we give some of that money to the Salvation Army. Uh, I know we've been talking as a church about how we can support uh, the Warm Welcome Meal Program that's happening in the community on Tuesdays and Thursdays to feed those that are in need. Um, And it talks about making sure that the temple is filled with food so that people are taken care of. And so I can't actually come to you and say 100% that I believe your 10% tithe should go to the church. And so I've been hesitant (laughs) to teach you about that because I don't have my mind made up um, about some of these things. I do know that in Matthew chapter 23 verse 23 Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. This was brought up to me by by a member of our congregation I think a while back when I had talked about uh, something similar. And he's speaking to the uh, the Pharisees the hypocrites. (laughs) And he says what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe, give your 10%, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus goes on to say, you should tithe, yes. So he says to these people, yeah, you should give 10%, and you're being very diligent about giving 10% uh, even out of your herb garden, but do not neglect the more important things. So you should give. Jesus says in this passage, you should tithe, you should give, but there are more important things uh, for you to be considering. And then the other thing that I know with the New Testament that I lean on quite heavily, I find in Second in Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and this is something that we'll be talking about later, and so I just want to kind of specify that, that New Testament teaching speaks of giving with generosity, that, that Paul, in speaking to uh, the different churches, he says, Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. And then going on into chapter 9, he says, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a, few, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. But even this passage, in speaking of generosity and saying, look at what you have and give in accordance to what you have, make up your own mind about what it is that you're to give, and then give that this is about an offering that's going from other churches to the Jerusalem church to support another church. And so this isn't even necessarily going to their church, uh, but it's going to others. But I still think that the principle uh, is very much applicable to what it is that we're to do. So the New Testament, while Jesus says pay the tithe, it also moves in to teach about this idea of how we are to be generous, how we are to give according to what we have. So I don't feel like I can come to you and tell you this is exactly what you must do when it comes to your money. Because it seems like what's being taught is that you need to be convinced what you should do. Giving is not optional. Where you give, yeah, it probably is. Generosity is not optional. What does generosity look like? It's going to be different for different people. And this is what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. Um, But this is some of my struggle in being able to bring to you uh, a clear picture. But we will try to make it clear. If it's not clear today, forgive me, have grace for me, uh, because we're going to try to make it clear over the next uh, three weeks after this one. So I can't come to you and tell you exactly what you have to do with your money. And I I struggled with this next part for a while because I didn't know if I should do this. Um, But I'm going to share with you what I do with my money. And this isn't to say you must do this, but this is to say that I've struggled through some some of what I've been trying to figure out when it comes to generosity. I've asked the question when I was younger, hey, if I'm getting paid by the church... Do I have to give to the church (laughs) like doesn't isn't that kind of self-serving isn't that something that that is kind of weird like the church is giving to me maybe I don't like it just seems like this sort of circular thing Uh, but for the longest time um, or no for for since I think asking that question I came pretty solidly to say like yeah yeah I'm supposed to give to the church I know that I'm supposed to do that. Nobody really taught me about the the before the government, after the government thing. And so the money that I got in my paycheck was what I sort of treated as the money that I had. And uh, and I, um, early on in, in ministry, decided that I would give and, and committed myself to giving 10%. Some years I've struggled with that, but for the most part, this is where we have... Have stayed and there's been times where I've been challenged in my faith to say like oh Maybe I can get it up to as people have started making me aware of like before the government thing like maybe I can get to that And I've struggled to get it there But one of the things that I know that I've been doing is I have been praying that God would help me to be able to be more generous Uh, I give my 10% I give it to the church and then beyond that we have uh, compassion children for our home, and I don't consider that a, a part of tithe. I consider, something, I consider that to be on top of what I give to the church. Uh, any, any offering that we give to, um, like a group that's coming through town, if they have special offerings, if there's a, a, a Christian concert that they ask for special offerings, uh, if there's a mission focus or different things along those lines, and I feel God lead me to give money, I never take it out of my tithe. I make sure that it's on top of that. I give an offering to that. That is something that I've felt that I need to do, and that's something that I've made up my mind about, and that's what I've committed to doing uh, in, our, in our practice. And I have begun praying. And one of the beautiful things about this church, right, is that if I give my tithe here, I know that 10% of what I give here goes right to Global Advance. It goes right to our, our, our alliance overseas missions, that our commitment as a church is to take 10% of what comes in and give it away and advance the kingdom uh, overseas and nationally and all those different things. And so I love that, but I've been praying more and more that God would enable us to be able to be more generous, to be able to give more to our general fund, to be able to support uh, our, our international work or overseas more, to be able to bless people more and to give more. And there's times where where wisdom, worldly wisdom, has come into my head because there's certain debts that we have. uh, and, And I know that if I were to stop tithing for about six months, I could handle one of those debts. It'd be gone. And then... If I've handled it, well, then that's going to take care of the interest on that and then I'm going to have more and I'm going to be able to do more after that. But I've never had the peace to be able to say, yeah, I'll stop because it feels like I'm taking control of that and I'm putting that in my hands and that I am trying to take too much power into myself and I am removing the trust that I have in God to actually move forward in that way. Anyway, these are, our, this, these are my practices when it comes to money. And I just felt like I should share that with you. I think one of the other reasons that I've struggled to teach on money uh, is that historically and currently uh, it, it's, it's something that's misused in the church. It's something that is misused uh, within institutions, and it's something that's misused within Christianity. And there is this view within the world that people view the church as just out for my money. That's why they exist. And so I struggle. I honestly struggle to come and teach about money. I struggle sometimes to come up and say, now we're going to take our tithe and our offering because I've heard of people who have come to services. They've been invited by friends, and I don't know if it's here, but I've heard of it in other places. And all of a sudden, when the offering plate comes out, they say, oh yeah, that's all they want from me. They just want my money. And so I struggle with that. Because I know that that's a a, a picture that people have of the church. And I don't want to encourage that. I don't want to put that in. Historically, the church has has done a lot of stuff to get money out of people. You know, you hear of the church creating something called indulgences, where if people gave money, uh, then their loved ones could get time off of their sentence in like limbo or purgatory or whatever it was. Something that people have no power to do if it even existed. (laughs) That, that the church has taken money and promised blessing. That the church has taken money and promised healing. That the church has taken money and promised more money in return. That God will give you back more and more and more. He'll make you rich. You just have to give us uh, your money first. And that we have misused and we have abused uh, money for our own personal gain. And I struggle to come and teach you about money and to say, hey, it's important that you give because I know I get a salary from the church. (laughs) And so again, I have, there's selfish gain in here for me. I would like to continue getting a salary from the church. And I would like our staff members, our three staff members, Bev and June and Waylon, to continue getting a full salary from our church. So there's selfish gain within this. I feel in my own heart as I come to speak about money. But I know that within Scripture, Galatians 6, verse 6, it says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. In 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 and 18 says, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Those who work deserve their pay. So I know that that's there, but I still struggle with this idea of self-doubt and coming and saying giving is important to the church. Alright, those are a bunch of my reasons as to why I've struggled to talk about money with you. And now, quickly, it would appear, because <laughs> I'm running out of time, uh, I am going to tell you why it is that we need to talk about money. Jesus says in Matthew, no, not in Matthew. He says it in Matthew somewhere, but he also says it in Luke chapter 12, verses 33 uh, and 34. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus teaches that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other passages of Scripture, Jesus refers to money as almost like an entity. He says, he calls money mammon, and he says you can't serve both God and mammon and money. That he almost says that money is like uh, another God within our lives. And that it is very possible for money to capture our hearts. And why we need to talk about it is that I think it's even more possible... Uh, in a boom-bust economy for money to capture our hearts. It's a little bit more risky because we're, we're more focused on the market, maybe. We're a little more worried about maybe what is going to happen to the economy. And it always seems as though there's either never enough money or, who there is way too much money, and that it can be a problem. This isn't a, that, don't hear this in any way as, as me judging this area, but I just think that this is uh, an intense risk for us. I know that as I've come here, I've felt it in my own heart too, that money has the ability, and I've always felt this, <laughs> but money has the ability to capture our hearts, that it can become everything to us. That what is meant to be a tool for provision for our family, That what is meant to be a a tool for kingdom advancement, for uh, moving moving God's kingdom forward, becomes a, a goal. That we make it everything and we pursue it with all that we are. And so giving it away as we said here before, can actually break the hold. And regularly giving it away, consistently giving it away, can hold the break that money can have over us. But money can capture our hearts. And so I think that it's important that we talk about it. Because as we talk about it, it enables some of that hold to break. You know, what we keep in the dark kind of stays there. But as we bring things to light, the power it has over us can begin to dissipate. One of the other reasons that it's really important for us right now to talk about money is that money is helpful to accomplish things. That without money, things uh, can and things will go undone. I read recently uh, that that about 12 to 25 percent, it's not very clear, and this is American, but for a lot of the times when statistics happen in the states when it comes to church, they're quite similar in Canada. But it says that 12 to 25 percent of people Uh, Of Christians tithe. 12 to 25 percent give 10 percent. And that's not just that's not just 10% to the church. That could be uh, that they out of all of their income give 10% to the church, to other missions organizations, to places because they weren't playing with that kind of hard and fast rule there. 12 to 25 percent of Christians tithe how does that hamper the church? What if 50% tithed? What more could be done? What if everyone did? What could the church accomplish? What kind of things could we do if we had that kind of resources? And we know that God can bring resources our way, but you know what? God, in His wisdom, has decided to use us for a lot of this stuff. And so the money that comes to places comes through people. (laughs) We need money to accomplish things. The current state of Estevan Alliance Church is that this year we tried to slash our budgets to give you a more accurate picture as to what we could accomplish with what we have had coming in over the last couple of years. To do that, we uh, cut salaries, we removed our leadership budget completely. That we have no budget to be able to uh, equip and empower the leaders in our church to learn and to grow uh, and to do that. Uh, I know that when I came, I was told that the church would pay for, for two classes of, of, um, uh, of seminary a year to help me to improve. I think I've only been able to take two. I could be a better pastor. <laughs> You guys gave more money. Sorry, that's really, uh, that's self-serving as well. Um, We have had to cut programs quite a bit uh, in the money that they have. We're not able to give as much as we want to give to Global Advance, to Canadian Ministries, to our district office, to all the different things that we have. And because we have been going down more and more, we've even struggled to say, like, We used to have a partnership with Ancaster Village Church, and that ended, and we were giving them a certain amount of money every year. We'd love to be able to do that kind of thing again, to have these significant partnerships with other ministries. And so we slashed our budget to say this is what we need to, like, at this point in time, just kind of function. And if you've seen your bulletin, we're $20,000 plus behind where we're supposed to be after slashing that's a major issue so this is one of the reasons that we need to talk about money as well and then the last reason um, is that Jesus talked about it a lot like Jesus talked about money quite a bit 16 of 38 parables are about money somebody estimated on the internet, so take it for what it's worth, (laughs) that out of the Gospels, one-tenth of the verses have something to do with money. That there's 500 verses that deal with prayer, that there's 500 verses that deal with faith, there's 2,000 that deal with money and possessions. Jesus talked about money a lot because where our treasure is, there the desires of our heart will be also. And where our heart is, is where we will go, is what will shape our lives. Jesus talked about money a lot, and so I know that we need to talk about money too. Look, discipleship to Jesus is a wholehearted, entire life commitment. It affects us Emotionally, It affects us spiritually. It affects us physically. And if you don't think that it's going to affect you financially, now you're kidding yourself. Discipleship is an entire life issue. And that at some point in time, it will eventually come to our bank accounts and our wallets. And that we will spend like Jesus. We will act like Jesus when it comes to our money. All of us are being shaped to be more like Jesus as we follow after him. And it will affect uh, our finances. I have regretted a lot of things <laughs> that I have spent my money on. But I have never regretted what I've given to the church, what I've given to missions, what I've given to other uh, Powering and, and life-giving organizations. I have never regretted what I have given away and what I have shared with others. I can't think of a moment that I have. We are called to give. We are called to generosity. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for providing for us. <laughs> you give us our daily bread. You have given us so much more than our daily bread. Mm-hmm. God, I do want to pray for those that are struggling, for those that, that, that this morning, this has brought up maybe a sense of, in, of insignificance uh, and, and the anxiety that, that we can so often feel surrounding our finances when we feel like we don't have enough. And God, I pray that you would touch each heart here that would kind of be going in that way that you would bring them peace that you would bring them uh, a sense of your your closeness and your security God continue to speak to them of your promises and your goodness that you will take care of your people and God I pray that we would see how much giving is in your heart and that you would help our hearts to become like your hearts Not for the benefit of Jim Kedge. Not for the benefit of Wayland Clicks. Not for the benefit of SFN Alliance Church. But so your kingdom can move forward so that your gospel can be brought to more people. So that people would know uh, the name of Jesus. So that each person here, God, would see your providing power. God, that we would have our faith increased because we have seen you Pour your blessing out on us, as our brother asked us to pray about earlier uh, in the service. God, as we bless, would you bless? And that seems to be the pattern within Scripture. God, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. Uh, And we pray that you would uh, just continue to lead us and guide us, Father, as we close our service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.